0: because I think there's such a rich culture in China that needs to be explored and told in stories. Um, I, I myself you know, went deep into my own heritage in India to create my character Priya, and now I'm going deep into the heritage and the legacy in America, uh, which is my other country, uh, to really understand uh, Jupiter and his story.
1: Hello everyone, this is Mengfei Li from Beijing, China, and welcome to The Missing Piece. Now, you're listening to the special podcast series of American Embassy Literature Festival in Beijing, China. And again, just a quick reminder, The Missing Piece is dedicating some of the episodes to invite amazing authors, speakers, panels, and artists to share their work Across the Contemporary Literature. Today's guest, Rom, he is going to share his latest work in filmmaking and how modern animation is uniting the viewers across the continent. Rom Devanini. is a filmmaker, publisher, and a founder of Radapalix based in New York City and New Delhi. He produced edited, and directed the feature documentary The Karma Killings, which was shot in India and released on Netflix. Recently, he produced The Russian Woodpecker, which won the Grand Jury Prize and the 2015 Sundance Film Festival and was nominated for an Independence Spirit Award. His latest project is called Jupiter Invincible. And this project is an augmented reality comic book series about an African-American enslaved person, Jupiter, who is suddenly given the power of immortality. The story takes place on the southern plantation near Baltimore before the U.S. Civil War. The project is a mix of pop culture, history, innovative technology, and dynamic storytelling to address structural racism. Rum, welcome to my show.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me and glad to be um, part of the literary program in Beijing with the US Embassy.
1: Absolutely. This is a very, very exciting opportunity, again, not only for the literature uh, festival, but also just for our international audience. It's so fascinating today that we are able to see the grand picture of filmmaking. Now, let's get to the question. I think we are very much interested to hear more about the Jupiter Invincible. Ram, can you tell us a little bit what inspire you or what kind of key elements that motivate you to decide to join the project? And also, that's the first question. And the second question is, what does that mean to be an augmented reality comic book? I mean, that, that was such a new term for our audience. Can you help us to understand a little bit?
0: Sure. Uh, well, all my projects are uh, self-initiated. So it's, it's through deep um, thought and research. I spend a lot of time researching, not only as a filmmaker, but also as a comic book creator, uh, because a lot of the comics I create – deal with social issues. And in this case, which you put in Invincible, it deals with uh, racism and the legacy of slavery in the United States um, after the—I mean, before and, and after the Civil War. So um, I started my research initially in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, mm. uh, almost three years ago. And I think this ties in with sort of the international kind of perspective I have. Um, I was uh, there Uh, teaching students how to use augmented reality, which I'll explain shortly. But there, while I was in Johannesburg, I went to the apartheid museum and uh, learned a lot about apartheid and how South Africa dealt with it and the legacy of apartheid. And then I, of course, um, when I went back to the U.S., I went to Baltimore and Maryland and um, started researching my own American history of slavery and its impact on uh, on the country and the legacy and why it's still a problem while, while um, so that's where this idea initially started with and from there I approached a remarkable writer named Youssef Kumanyaka. He's won the Pulitzer Prize. He's a poet, uh, African-American, and who's dedicated his work to focusing on the African-American history and legacy. Mm. Um, And then, of course, that led to an illustrator, Ashley A. Woods, who also came on board. And uh, now it's done. It's coming out on June 9th, um, or uh, by the time this podcast is, is, it might already be out, um, so we want people to download it and read it and really have a conversation about racism and its impact. Uh, I mean, it's designed for young people, for teenagers and um, and even young adults, but obviously anyone can read it. And one of the unique things we put into the comic book, which I do with all my comics, is I integrate this new technology called augmented reality. So mm. with your smartphone, you can you can scan the pages, and literally the pages uh, come to life. They they become f- uh, from a comic book to a pop up book, and there's animation. There's um. Uh, A lot of content in there, a lot of historical content um, that I've researched in the U.S. Um, And then lastly, we've been using a new technology called Deep Tech, where uh, I was able to bring back to life um, the photos of former enslaved African-Americans and help bring voices, their voices back to life as well.
1: Well, Ram, again, you share a lot more information, but one of the things that I want to focus on, especially you touch on the target audience or maybe the audience that center on the younger generations, this is something that it's so fascinating. And we know that today across the continent, younger generations or the millennials are actually pushing the social or political agendas. And meanwhile, it's rather challenging to know what the younger generations are interested in terms of uh, film production and also entertainment. So here's something more challenging for you is when you begin to do the research and when you initiate a project with your team, how did you know that this comic book or this topic, it's going to be uh, uh, something that's rather attractive for the younger generations. And again, you're looking at the pop culture. I mean, when we talk about contemporary pop culture, that is a wide circle. I mean, the door is wide open. How did you know that this is going to create dialogue or this is something that's going to spark the younger generations to sit down and even have a deeper thought or even deeper reflection about the production?
0: Well, I I think there's... Always, there's three elements to that. Um, the first one is it's the comic it's a comic book format. Now I could have easily created a fictional book and that would have reached a much different demographic mm. graphic um, you know much older demographic maybe uh, a, a graph a demographic that reads you know things like The New Yorker or whatever else um, but I decided to make it a comic book and that's also important. It's a comic book and not a graphic novel. See, I think a comic book is really smaller and it's designed for a quick reading. Mm. Uh, I mean, impact is, is is much greater, but I think it's also designed for quick reading as opposed to a graphic novel where you have to commit yourself for an extended period of time and really focus on it. Um, so that's that's one. And then two, our character Jupiter, who is in, in a former enslaved Person in in the comic book. I mean, he's enslaved and then then eventually escapes. He's he, him he himself is a young teenager. He's sassy. He's bold. Even though he has to deal with slavery,
1: mm. he, he
0: knows how to. He know, he has pride in himself, and he's um, I mean, he's, he's 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 sassy, and I think that's uh, I think you see that in in a lot of young people. Um, and then the third part is the use of technology. Mm. Um, we've made the comic book with AR and integrated with a lot of stuff that only, I mean, and let's be honest, really young people can catch in and understand this pretty immediately uh, as opposed to older generations. So I think, you know, nowadays when people create art or stories, they want to have a technological integration or element to it. Like it's almost, um, a given, especially for younger generations.
1: Mm. Well, Rom, again, at the intro, and you briefly mentioned that this film or this production was not done by yourself. And of course, there were always important and essential cohorts and help you to elevate the meaning of the production. And one of the, is the Pulitzer Prize win, winning poet. And his name, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, is Yusef Komuyaka. And, and also you have the illustrator called Ashley Woods. Now, this is some, something quite interesting that you have this international backgrounds and you have this international elites to collaborate on this project together. Now, we always say the saying is, we people are the product of the environment. So how do you know that this collaboration is not only reaching the audience domestically in America, but internationally? It, besides, you're talking about the technology, besides you're talking about the comic books. Remember, this film or this production addresses what we call the structure, uh, structural racism. How does that How, how does that message is going to come across from different culture, from one place to the other? W- what is your take and, and how did you or how were you going to plan to deliver that?
0: Well, I, I mean, my audience are Americans for this comic book in particular because um, I've I've used a lot of research, especially in the South and about slavery in America, and there is a historical element to this. Um, but I, I've always believed, you know, in one time or another, um, every almost most cultures have experienced slavery in some aspect or mm. another throughout history, um, or they've or they felt. Repressed in some way, so there that I think exists within within borders, within cultures, and it's something that everyone um, deals with in some in some fashion or another. Um, now, I, I think what's unique about this comic and why it's very particular to America is because the legacy of slavery um, continued after. The end of slavery and after the end of end of the Civil War, and I don't mean in in a literal sense. What I mean is, um, you know, there was there was something called Jim Crow that existed, mm. uh, where there was laws and systems in place to keep African Americans down and and uh, repressed and to to basically take away their rights. And uh, you know, it, it could be said it got it finally got rectified maybe in the late '60s with the civil rights laws that passed in the U.S. But uh, but but you could also be said that the legacy still continues with inequality, and especially inequality in housing and situations and wealth and so forth. So this you know this is a legacy that's been going on for a long time, and I felt it needed to be really tackled and really discussed in America. Um, but I, I truly believe this this issue resonates in many cultures. I mean, the the the, the history of colonialism, uh, which is pretty much all over the world, is a, is in tune, is in, in is in in conjunction with slavery.
1: Hmm. Rom, it's so interesting. You know, one thing I I want to share with you is after living in America for thirteen years and. I move back to um, Beijing, and I begin to have conversations with younger generations. And, of course, when I say younger generations, that uh, some some of the, uh, the people, they're, uh, they're in high school, and also, of course, some of them, they're older. But, again, regardless how old they are, what, as soon as I mentioned U.S. Civil War, and I mentioned the civil rights movement happened in the early 60s in America— It's quite surprising that these terms or this critical um, historical events that did not just just had impact or memory for American citizens, but it really crossed the world. And but but again, Ram, this is something interesting. I want to dwell on this a little bit is. We're looking at the literature, and of course, we're looking at this masterpiece. You know, uh, again, is as you mentioned, it's African American slave, enslaved person, and who's really given the power of immorality. But again, but we're no, looking, but we're, yes, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, th- there we go. But we're looking at this um, international audience. So, in other words, what about the people who grew up in the environment? Have no idea about Jim Crowism and and have no idea about in uh, enslavement and whatsoever. How how do you think that they're going to appreciate that work that your team or even the work that you have been doing? For example, I mean this is the uh, the literature for the audience. I mean happening in Beijing, but across the world at, uh, and the people uh, travel in Beijing, they're going to see this or they're going to attend this. What kind of what kind of message or what kind of effort that you you put into so that more people are going to appreciate not just about the American audience but outside the country?
0: Yeah, that's that's always a challenge, um, and, I, and I always say when you're creating literature or art, you have to be you have to understand your audience. You can't really speak to a broad general audience. I think those when 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 someone when something gets that diluted, you have to be careful about that. Now, obviously, there's. Um, I, I think the character Jupiter, he is a young person who can relate with many teenagers in any cultures, especially teenagers that are restless and who want to experience the world and see see themselves in a greater, greater, uh, greater part of the world. Um, I, I think you know more so than ever, especially after this pandemic and with climate change, the younger generation, teenagers. Feel more activated, feel more connected, not only in their own community but with communities all over the world. And I think Jupiter really talks to them. Um, I mean, the comic book is in te- is is in English, and it not only is in English; it's written by a Pulitzer Prize-winning poet. So the language is very important. And um, I don't know how that could, would translate into other languages. We haven't really explored that, but. Obviously, if you do know and appreciate and understand English and want to learn English, it's a great, great way to do so. Mm. Because you, because you have, of course, the images, and then you have the text, and both work in conjunction as a really good avenue into the into the language. Um, and I, 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 as I said, um, the augmented reality. I am putting a lot of the historical stuff into the AR, so that when you do scan the pages, you learn a lot of historical background. And the research that I put into in developing this book, you'll see, experience that through the AR.
1: Mm. Well, rum I, I, I want to um, move on to the topic about filmmaking. You know today that compared with a couple years ago, and we always say a good film can really not only grasp people by their attention, but also really to reach deeper in their hearts. And also today, it is rather more challenging. Maybe you know that better than I do giving the condition is filmmaking is is standing at the crossroads because it's so it's so difficult to measure the length and also the content in terms of creating wider impact or ripple effects because on one hand people are saying oh you need to make longer films so that People are going to appreciate the story, or really follow the sequence of the story little by little. So hopefully, in the end, are going to be a surprise, or are going to be a climax at the end of the movie. But on the other hand, other people are not other noises. They will say, "Oh, I want to. Um, I, I need to create shorter films because shorter films they're going to be much more precise and much easier to be understood by the audience." So now you are a filmmaker and a publisher. So from your perspective, what kind of advice would you give to the contemporary uh, of filmmakers today? How, how, how could they balance about the length of the film and also to understand the taste of the audience?
0: Yeah, I mean, the big challenge is, I mean, let me say this. One thing you have to understand, all these formats, whether it's 90 minutes or 60 or... Whatever, twenty-three minutes. These are all constructs that were created by uh, studios, by um, theaters, by television to fit certain boxes. Um, and and if you, if you want to work within those constructs and try to sell your film for television or theaters or whatever, you have to work in those constructs. There's it's very difficult to get around that uh, because filmmaking is very very expensive. You know, obviously. You have to think beyond the creative towards the commercial element of it. But if if you're not restricted by those constructs, one thing that's readily available is the internet and uh, YouTube and other streaming channels and platforms are out there that are hungry and looking for content where you can directly talk to your audience and get it out. And in those cases, the time restrictions are not so important anymore. Because um, you're not really looking for those boxes. You're, you're, you are you can create whatever you feel works for the thing you've created. Um, obviously, I've created future documentaries, meaning they're over 80 minutes or, or, or longer for streaming and for television. But I've also created short films. Like recently, in uh, January of, of, of this year, 2021, we released a short film called Prius Mask which features one of my other comic book characters, Priya, mm. who's India's first female superhero. And Priya's mask dealt with the pandemic um, in India and, of course, internationally, uh, the COVID pandemic. And it's only about three and a half minutes because it's a short animated film. Um, and and it, within that very concise three and a half minute, it really tells a beautiful story about Priya and a little girl who's trapped in her house like everyone else in India is, and uh, she misses her mom, who's a nurse, and she's trying to understand what's happening, which is a thing that a lot of children are, had to face during that time. Um, so, I, you know, pick it, don't worry about these constructs that exist if you, if, if, if you want to work and reach different audiences. Um, I mean, I think there's just so much possibilities. You know, I mean, but, you know, obviously everyone has to think in the back of their minds about the costs, this filmmaking is not cheap. And doing that animated film, uh, which we did with the U.S. Embassy in uh, New Delhi, mm. it was still costly. Uh, luckily, we had their support, but it's not its not cheap. Um, and eventually, everyone has to get paid for the work. So these are a lot of things you have to think about when you're creating art and films especially.
1: And of course, the, the, one of the key elements that really make the film more interesting and more engaging... Is the power of storytelling and again let's go back to the Jupiter Invincible that I believe you mentioned Rom that it's a dynamic storytelling so in other words that we know that in order to make sure the audience can sit down and appreciate the effort Behind the storytelling, it's not only people, I mean, of course, it's one thing that we appreciate the, the, the appearance of the celebrities, but we know that that's going to cost an arm and leg. But on the other hand is without using the celebrities and without really having uh, the famous people in the film, but we always say the underdogs. They normally create a better star, uh, sparks, and even uh, a greater impact uh, with the um with the viewers. So, uh, Rom, here's the question to you: Is how would you craft the storytellings? Because let, let me let me give you the background: is in China today there are so many younger generations and who are passionate about filmmaking, and they're looking for ways to discover quote unique stories or even unheard stories end quote to uh, reach the audience so from your perspective normally how would you pick good stories to tell and translate it or even portray it into film how did you make that decision and what what is your strategies
0: sure well i i mostly make documentaries um i mean i made one short animated film but that's based on an IP, a comic book character that I've created, um, so that that has its own history and origins and legacy. But in terms of my documentaries, I, I always look for stories that are really engaging, with great characters, uh, and and more importantly, I have the access to them. Um, because without access in documentaries, it becomes more of a journalistic piece. Um, because um, as as a documentary filmmaker. I want to tell stories I want to tell a narrative a doc I want to go more in depth beyond just the issues but more into the characters and how they how they had to go through certain ordeals um, and I made a film about two serial killers in India to um, to people building human towers in India and and in Spain and other countries so they're always character-driven, those documentaries. Mm. Um, I mean, I always believe the best documentaries almost feel like fiction films. But there's, but they're, of course, real, and they have real people in them. Um, in terms of, like, my comic book, how I go about determining that, see, the, the unique thing about comics is you don't need really need celebrities for comic books. Um, I mean, you need celebrities maybe for fiction films because, obviously, you want to draw audiences in there. But for comic books, the the celebrity is the characters in the comic book. Um, the reason why Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and all these co- characters are popular is not because of the celebrities that play them. It's because they themselves are popular characters. Um, so you know uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to do with mine um, with the pre comic book series that I have did. I created India's first female superhero, and she's become very popular in India and and all over the world. Um, she's actually had an exhibition in uh, Beijing at the Crossroads Center uh, several years ago. Um, and with Jupiter, I'm also trying to create a character and, and an IP that can resonate with uh, that can resonate, you know, globally, but also more importantly in the U.S. So these are the kind of things you got to kind of think about.
1: Mmm. Now, um, Ram, I know you're fairly very busy. Now, I got two more questions before letting you go. Is you mentioned that you've been to Beijing many times, and of course, that I believe great changes have taken place in China in the last few years. And so can you briefly describe when was the last time you were in Beijing and how, did you have any opportunities to engage with people in terms of filmmaking, film production? And again, we know that this is the literature festival is taking place in Beijing, China. So I want the younger generations or I mean, I want all people to to understand that coming from a filmmaker perspective, how does the country has impressed you the most?
0: Well, I, I first came to Beijing and um, also to China, Shanghai, and other places. Um, this was uh, 10 years ago for the Bookworm Festival mm. in uh, Beijing. Um, and I, I got a chance to travel to a few other places. Um, and um, um, I came, I think it was like three or four years ago, for the Crossroads. They had a China film women's film festival, and they... Had an exhibition of comic books as well, uh, focused on female characters, and there I exhibited the Priya comics and also spoke at the U.S. Embassy. Um, and within even that span of a time that was like six, seven years apart, uh, I mean, I saw China dramatically change. Um, I mean, one of the one of the unique things that I saw. Was the amount of uh, public bicycles everywhere mm. in Beijing? It was it was just inundated with That's tons right. of bikes. Yep. Yeah, that was that was the, the biggest uh, eye catching visual change that I saw within the span of six years or so. Um, in terms of film production, I didn't really get a chance to explore that in um, in China, and I didn't really talk with filmmakers because in both cases it was literary. I did speak with a lot of comic book creators. I spoke with a lot of uh, writers at the Bookworm Festival, and uh, I think, you know, what's what's always inspiring and exciting is the creativity that comes out. Um, people want to explore and understand their cultures, and, and I really try to emphasize that um, because I think there's such a rich culture in China that needs to be explored and told in stories. Um I, I myself you know went deep into my own heritage in India to create my character Priya, and now I'm going deep into the heritage and the legacy in America, uh, which is my other country, uh, to really understand uh, Jupiter and his story. And I think that needs to be done much more, not, uh, not only in China but in other cultures, to go deep into your own history, your own culture, and try to understand it and create those characters that can resonate with audiences.
1: Well, Rom, just um, just tag on what you just said uh, uh, regarding the bicycle in China. Now, uh, you know, one image that I still remember until today is, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, George H.W. Bush, and who was the former president of America, but before he was the president, he was actually the ambassador under President Reagan. Now, one of the images that uh, people remember uh, from his uh, 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 ambassadorship is he was actually riding the bike uh, with his wife, Barbara Bush, in Beijing. And I think they they had this picture taken in front of Tiananmen Square. And I thought that was pretty interesting that how the bike industry or even I think there was a story done by New York Times... It was called the country of bikes. So anyway, that was pretty right. interesting. Now the last question, Ron, um, I, I would like to ask is hypothetically again, this is the question really uh, <laughs> put you on the spot, and if you were to produce a film or if you were to produce something about China today, what kind of topics would you be considering? Hmm,
0: that haven't. Been- Thought about. I am working with um, the Crossroads Center and the China Film Festival on um, creating like a universe of superheroes, um, and one of them is actually uh, based in China, uh, which which I, I found. I mean, like I said, I, I I have very minimal research in China, but I I found this character uh, through them. Called Princess Sue.
1: Mm. And
0: um, she's based on the silent uh, female uh, movie star, and I'm sort of blanking on the name, um, who existed back in the 1920s and 30s. And we're working on developing a character around her um, and sort of modernizing her because um, she, as a real person, was very, very instrumental and a feminist and uh, believed in women's rights back in the silent era of, of cinema in China um, show. I think uh, that's a possibility to kind of explore. Um, I hope, uh, you know, it, this is all in the early stages of, every, of everything. We've created some specs and some character designs, which you can find on my website, com, And uh, hopefully we can take it forward. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to come back to China. I don't know when. But soon, uh, I hope, uh, depending on the pandemic, to really work on this story and the character with uh, my partners at the China Women's Film Festival. And uh, hopefully launch uh, a series, um, not only in China, but globally.
1: Well, Ram Devanini, it's a filmmaker and a publisher. It's based in New York City and New Delhi. And his latest project and work, it's called Jupiter Invincible, again, it's an augmented reality comic book series about an African-American enslaved person, Jupiter, who is suddenly given the power of immortality. Rom, it's been a pleasure of talking to you, and thank you so much for spending your time to uh, share your work and also your passion in filmmaking for the Literature Festival. Again, as we mentioned before... If you ever get a chance to come back to Beijing, please let us know. We'd love to have you back on the show and talk more. Thank you so much, Ram. Thank
0: you. Appreciate it.